Okay, so we've already given, uh, encouraged you kiddos to kind of stay engaged. And we say that because you guys are part of this church, um, and you're not, um, because you're a kid, it's not something that you will one day get to be part of the church. You're part of the church today, right now. You matter. Um, you're very much as part of the family, and um, so I know that sometimes it can be really hard to stay focused. Here's a little secret. Sometimes adults have a hard time staying focused as well, so you're not alone in that. Um, and so I know, though, when we are having a hard time staying focused, it can be kind of tempting to start to talk louder and louder and louder and louder to your neighbor, and, you know, um, and I get it. Totally get it, and I totally understand. So I have a game for you guys. I want you to keep track of the number of times I say the word salt, okay? And you can do, like, variations of it. If I say salty or saltiness, um, whatever it is, keep track of it. And after the gathering, if you come up to me and you tell me how many times I said it and you get within 10, I have a bag of candy that you can get you can get um, pick from if you get within 10 okay does that sound like a fair deal okay so what's the word hey grown-ups sure you can participate as well what is the word you're trying to hear salt, salt okay um, so I I think I have a pretty good idea of how many times so find me after the gathering let's talk and um, and like let's celebrate how many times I got to say the word salt today okay Okay, so y'all go ahead and open up your Bibles, um, and we're going to read some verses in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Okay, it says, you are, these are Jesus' words, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So over the next three weeks, uh, Ben already kind of mentioned this. These are the verses, though, that are going to anchor our teachings. So I want to encourage you guys in here to spend some time over the next couple of weeks meditating on that passage, um, reading it over and over again, reading it in different versions, talking about it with your family, with your kids, with your friends. Uh, maybe even put it to memory. That I would challenge you guys to do that. I mean, you can't go wrong with memorizing this passage of Scripture. Um, but I want us to just kind of soak in that passage this month, and we're going to be unpacking it week by week. So using Matthew 5 as our text, what we want to do as a church is we want to reflect back on our time together um, as a church, but we also want to look forward to where we're going. We want to be able to remind each other in here of our church's vision, our mission, our priorities, our values, because we believe in them. We think they are spirit-led. And because, as a church, we want to continue to pursue them. But we need to remember what it is we're pursuing, right? We need, we need that reminder. So this time, about two years ago, actually 
probably right around this week or so, uh, Ben and Jess and me and Matt, we announced that we would be planting a new church called Salt and Light. So while we were making that announcement, I want to kind of paint a picture of where we were culturally. We were about six months into COVID and trying to figure out what it looked like to do school, to do work, to do social gatherings, um, to do church. We were still really just thick in the middle of just like bumbling through and trying to figure out what does it look like to live in the midst of the pandemic. That summer, we also saw uh, many racial protests as a reaction that had been building for years. And then with the death of George Floyd, it burst open, right? And there was so much that we were wrestling with, not only as individually, but as communities, as cities, as a nation. Politics took center stage once again as we were dealing with another presidential election, a very divisive presidential election, um, which continued to just not only divide us as individuals, but divided families. I think all of us have had that experience, right? We saw divisions within um, our workplaces, with our neighbors. There was a lot of tension just from that. It seemed um, that it seemed that everybody knew somebody who was deconstructing their faith, right? Who um, was asking questions, who was trying to figure out what they believed, who was who were very tempted, very interested in walking away from the faith, right? I think most of us probably were dealing with someone or a few people that were asking those questions. Maybe we were, right? Maybe we were one of those people. Church didn't feel like a safe place for a lot of people for many reasons, right? Maybe not just because of deconstruction, but maybe because of your race or how you chose to vote, or what you choose to believe about anything. It just, church became one more place of division. In my house in September, we turned our guest room, we renamed it the Calm Down Room. (laughs) And everyone took turns taking time in that room throughout the day. So it seemed like a good time to plant a church. But our circumstances are not a reason to run from what God calls us to do. Our circumstances are not a reason to run from what God calls us to do. In fact, God is quite aware of our circumstances. So much so that oftentimes I believe our circumstances and what God calls us to are actually intertwined. Our circumstances and our call are intertwined. So while September of 2020 was when we announced Salt and Light, what came before that was years of prayer, years of studying and listening and asking God, what does it really look like to follow the way of Jesus? What does it look like to follow the way of Jesus in the cultural setting that we're in? What does it look like to be a faithful presence in our present reality? What does it look like to love others well, to love Jesus well, to love his church well? 
What does it look like to create a safe space for skeptics and seekers and doubters to ask questions and wrestle with scripture and God and what they believe and what they've been taught? So we were asking these questions and what it made us think is, well, what if it just went back to the basics? What if we just went back to the basics of being and making disciples of Jesus wherever God has placed us? Those are the questions that we were asking that led us to our values that we now hold, which you've heard us say many times, they're to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did. And so ultimately, those convictions led us to this conclusion. Be who Jesus has declared you to be. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Be salt and light. That felt basic. And so here we are, two years later, and our mission still remains the same as a church. We want to make disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. Did you know that that's our mission? Our mission is making disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. So this week, today, what we're going to do is we're going to unpack what it means that we are salt. <laughs> See, everybody's heads go down real quick to make a tally. Um, so I want to trace this image of salt for a bit that Jesus uses. We've taught on this before, so a lot of this will probably sound familiar to you, and that's good. It is good that we hear these things over and over again. Um, this image doesn't just represent who we want to be and what we want to be known for as a church, but quite frankly, what it does is it, it is who Jesus himself says you are. You are the salt of the earth. So what does it actually mean, though? What does it mean that we are the salt of the earth? These verses that we read from Matthew 5, those are at the beginning of um, the Sermon on the Mount, that manifesto that Jesus gave to a large crowd of his followers. And this sermon is directed primarily towards his disciples who have chosen to respond to his call to repent and turn to God. Um, the people that were listening to this sermon were the people who were curious and they wanted to learn more and they wanted to be part of this new kingdom. But these are real people. You know, these were actual words that Jesus actually spoke to people. And there are real people like you and me today. And so what I want you to know and believe is that these words are also meant for you. As thousands of years later, his followers are still gathered wanting to hear from his word. So he starts this sermon, um, the Sermon on the Mount, with a list of blessings that you are probably familiar with, what we refer to as the Beatitudes. So he starts with this list of blessings. And then after that, he tells his followers, you know, you're blessed. But now, more than that, it's also about being a blessing, right? Not only are they the blessed, but they're to be a blessing to others. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. So Jesus teaches us about the influence of kingdom people through this image of salt which is a familiar image to us today, right? Um, but it was also a familiar image to the people back then. So he speaks to them, um, and 
he says, to, he tells them that they are the salt. Today, we have this different perspective, right? For us, most of the time, what comes to mind when you hear the word salt? What do you use it for? French fries. <laughs> yes, yeah. Popcorn. Maggie. Salt and pepper. Yes. Salted caramel. Anything else come to mind? Margarita. On the rocks, please. Uh, anything else? Ocean water. Preservation, yeah. What, what do you use salt for? Corn, so good, yeah. Yeah, Teddy. Oh, yeah, scrambled eggs are way better with salt. Yeah, flavor, yeah. You notice that, like, you guys all, beyond just saying flavor, like, you went straight to, like, what do you need it for, you know? Um, But that's our perception. That's our main reasoning for salt today, right? Um, Well, if you lived back in New Testament times, if you're part of the crowd that's hearing this message from Jesus, you also would not have been able to imagine your life without salt, but I don't think they would have started off with, we need it for popcorn, and we need it for french fries, and we need it for margaritas. Like, that would have been what came to mind for them. Um, It was essential to life, but for really different reasons. Um, It was used for what Miriam said, for purification. Salt is this pure substance, and it has this natural purifying and cleansing qualities to it. It was used in the Old Testament um, for sacrifices, and it symbolized purifying that sacrifice before it was offered to God. Any offering taken to God was seasoned with salt. Another reason it was used was for preservation. Salt was used to keep food from going bad, from rotting, which made it super essential to them. They didn't have refrigerators, right? They don't have freezers like we do, so they needed it for preservation. Um, so for them to hear this, this must have been a radical metaphor to them, right? We are the salt of the earth. So how does he use this to actually relate to, their, to his followers? No offering was made without salt. So now he's saying to them, you are the salt. You are the offering. It reminds me of Romans 12, 1. I think we have it. You can put it up there. What um, Paul says in Romans, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We are called to live pure lives and reflect the way of Jesus. We are called to keep the world from going bad, from allowing corruption to consume this world, to bring God's love to a decaying world. That's what it means to be salt. We are called to bring, bring the kingdom with us into our everyday spaces, the spaces that we inhabit. And we are called to add that distinct flavor to the world. Our speech is meant to be seasoned with God's love, his grace, his kindness, his mercy. 
So God chooses to salt the world with us. So as we spread throughout the world, we should get to bring kingdom culture and the aroma of Christ into all that we do in life. And this is why the seemingly ordinary things that we do matter. Why our jobs, our hobbies, our family, our relationships, all of those things matter because we are called to be distinct in those areas, to be God's kingdom people to the world wherever we are. And I want to talk about this for a minute. Don't be different for the sake of being different. Being salt does not mean that you have to be perfect or else you'll lose your saltiness. That's a false hope. What that does is that elevates yourself, your own good works, your own perfection. It elevates you, not your savior. That's not, being distinct doesn't mean to be perfect or to be different, so different that you um, make people um, feel like there's just no way. I can't ever be that righteous, right? You're not trying to prove your righteousness. So what it looks like for you to be distinct, that's something that you get to wrestle with the Holy Spirit about. Figure out what it means for you to be distinct, be in the midst of this world and distinct from it. What is your motive? Why do you do the things you do? Why do you say the things you say? I think that's at the heart of this. That is where our distinction comes from. What is your motive? And that's where you get to wrestle with the Spirit and figure out what does it look like for you to be distinct in your workplace and in your family and in your neighborhood. On the other hand, if we as the people of God become so much like the world, then Jesus does say it's like salt losing its saltiness. We shouldn't be so entwined with the world that our identity of kingdom people becomes unrecognizable. So there's this fine line we get to walk. So how does salt lose its saltiness? It loses it when it's covered by something else. We can't become kingdom people who are so focused on appealing to culture that we completely lose our saltiness and become indistinguishable from the world. So saltless salt, that sounds kind of funny, could look like us being more aligned with culture or more aligned with a political party. Are people more aware of what party you align with than they are that you actually align with King Jesus? It's, not, it's being more um, aligned with Jesus than being aligned with a social club, right? Or an organization. So the question you have to wrestle with is, who do you care most to identify with? What do you actually prioritize? Look, I know that there are a lot of bad opinions of believers, and some of them are pretty accurate. Believers do not always look good out there. And I understand that, like, uneasy feeling we get where we think, I don't really, like, yes, I'm a Christian, but, like, not, like, that Christian. And, like, we sit with that tension. I think many of us really wrestle with that tension. It's really tempting to want to put space to create an us versus them mindset, to try to make sure that we are not wrongly associated. I mean, none of us want to identify with Christian nationalism, right? Like, so we understand there's that real tension. 
But what happens, though? How do we cover ourselves up so much? How do we distance ourselves so much? How do we end up spending our days at the cost of actually losing our saltiness? So I want to challenge you with this thought. What if we became, and I'm challenging myself with this too, what if we became less concerned that we might wrongly look like a Christian we don't want to look like or be associated with, and instead we just become more concerned with looking like Jesus? That's something that I have to wrestle with, and I think a lot of us have to wrestle with that. Who are you more concerned about? What we want is to be concerned about looking more like Jesus. What if Jesus was our true motive for how we lived and how we loved? Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We want to be a church, a community of people who add salt to the world around us. That by being salt, the thing Jesus says we are, people would taste and see that the Lord is good. So our decisions that we make and how we lead as a church, those are influenced by what we have chosen to prioritize. And these priorities are what help give us focus. So over the next few weeks, what we want to do is highlight these priorities and unpack a few of them at a time. These are convictions that were prayerfully formed in the summer of 2020, and we still stand by them today as your servant leadership team. So I want to put up a slide that shows you what they are. I'm going to walk through um, what they are real quick. Well, first, I already told you our mission is making disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. And then you can go to the next slide. Okay, uh, so we practice our discipleship values. We practice discipleship by be with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing the things Jesus did. So those are our values. And then go to the next slide. Okay, so here are our priorities. So this is kind of our framework for how we kind of form a lot of our decisions. Um, simple gatherings. You know, we don't want to be scrappy here, um, but we do want to be simple enough that uh, seekers, sinners, and skeptics can all feel welcome. Um, we're not focused on creating a production, but we do are focused on creating a gathering. And we think it matters that we come together each week. Everyone discipled and being in discipling, we're in this together. Like we've talked about this before, from children to adults. And with that, equip, equipping children, teens, and parents. Empowering each other's gifts. We want to see you flourish in the way that God has um, gifted and equipped you. And then the last two are what we're going to spend a few more minutes talking about today. Transformative cultural engagement and women and men leading together. So let's first talk about transformative cultural engagement. The reason we chose this as one of the priorities for this week is that it is tied so closely to Jesus' instructions for his followers to be salt. Being the salt of the world is about getting to transform culture and being part of understanding what that means for us. So we believe that the gospel is good news for everyday life and every cultural moment. We want to prioritize declaring the gospel into areas of personal unbelief and cultural division 
as well as pursuing the poor, the helpless, and the marginalized because of our motive, which is our faith in the gospel and our desire to follow the way of Jesus. We don't want to give in to cultural Christianity that tells you what stand you should take on any given topic and then demonize a fellow brother or sister who might think differently. What we want to do instead is be able to create an environment that allows each other space to wrestle with what the word of God actually says and how the Holy Spirit is leading and convicting you. We don't want to feed you the answers. We want everyone to pursue Jesus together. As a church, we do not align ourselves with a political party. We want to engage culture and cultural issues, but we don't want to be absorbed by the culture. Our allegiance is not and will never be to a political power. And we also don't want to just ignore the culture, right? Every single person is trying to make sense of the world around them, the events that are happening, what to do about it, how to respond. And we believe that the kingdom of God gives us the perspective to be able to engage culture well. So that's our lens we want to use. When someone is wrestling with what they believe and what does the Bible say about any chosen topic, we as a church, as a church family, as a church gathering, we want to be a soft landing pad for them. We want to be graceful, curious people who lean in, who listen well, and show love. Colossians 4, I think it's verse 6, we have that coming up, says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So historically speaking, I think many of us have read this verse before, have heard this verse before, and what we hear is that this says, well, we need to always have an answer, right? But there's a subtle shift that I want you to see in this verse. Um, it doesn't say, so you may know what to answer each person. It says, so you may know how to answer each person. It says, how do you answer? I love it. I think, I'm going to look. I'm going to read it again. And so in this version, NIV, it says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. How to answer everyone. And how do we answer each person? What does it say? With grace. Christians are not getting anywhere by trying to have the right answer and then being afraid of anyone who is struggling or doubting. So what does it look like to be salt in those relationships? To season that relationship with grace. I've yet to meet anyone, and I doubt you have either, who has committed to following Jesus and his kingdom because they lost an argument with someone. In the Gospels, what do we see? We see Jesus entering into the brokenness, moving forward, and laying down his life to bring a message of hope. We want to engage culture like that, more like Jesus. And I think we do a lot of this really well, and I think one thing that we can grow on in our pursuit is the helpless and the marginalized. 
And that's an area that as a church, I would just love for us to be challenged in over the next year. The second priority I want to talk about briefly is um, that we hold as a church is that women and men lead together. Now, when I was 18 years old, I'd been a Christian for about 10 years or so. I loved the church. I loved the Lord. And I loved God's word. And I wanted to help teach and lead someday. And I had a male friend of mine tell me that I couldn't do, do those things because I was a girl. And honestly, that thought had never occurred to me before. It truly had never occurred to me that that was a barrier. And so it threw me for a loop. So I went to talk to my pastor about this, a man that I deeply respected, who loved my family well, who saw me grow up. And he told me that I could basically do whatever the Holy Spirit, any person can do, whatever the Holy Spirit calls and equips you to do whatever that may be. And that's true for any believer. When the Lord calls you, he equips you. Whether you're a man, a woman, a child, when he calls you, he equips you. And so for us, women and men leading together, the point isn't that we are the same. We're not the same. And that's good. But God determined that it was not good for man to be alone and to do his work alone. So he gave him a partner to work alongside him. And that was before the fall. Men and women aren't meant to be siloed, running separate races. We are called to be brothers and sisters, encouraging one another on working together towards the same goal, finding the strengths and skills and giftings in each other and saying, yes, that's good. We believe that we are meant to humbly listen and learn from one another, to support and affirm one another. We need each other's perspectives. We need our distinctions. We need our voices in mission and in ministry and in kingdom work. And it's our sincere desire and conviction that women are not overlooked simply because they are a woman. We want our children in this room to grow up seeing both men and women serving, leading, and proclaiming the gospel together. We place equal value and uphold mutual respect for both men and women both made in the image of God, both filled with the Holy Spirit, both capable of leading based on their mature and godly character. Galatians 3, verse 26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So for salt and light for our community here, men and women leading together is a priority that we uphold. So to go back to Jesus' words in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the world. Not just me, not just some of you, not just people of a certain age or race or gender. We're in this together as followers of Jesus. But all of this 
starts from being with Jesus, one of our values. To be salt, to be the kind of salt that does not lose its saltiness, that is seasoned with grace, that allows people to taste and see that the Lord is good. That salt is not our own. It's salt that reflects the heart of God. It's salt that comes through his spirit when we practice being with Jesus. This salt imagery, it describes a life that is sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is just a fancy word for saying God's work in us. Our thoughts, our words, our actions, they become sanctified, making us more and more like Jesus as we trust and obey him, as we spend time with him. To be with Jesus means that we live all of life centered on his word, his spirit, and his kingdom. And when we are formed by those things, we are able to be who Jesus has declared us to be. We are the salt of the earth. And people who find their identity in Christ influence the world for him. We have to have an awareness of our identity, that we are salt, or else we will lose our saltiness. We have to be mindful of who we are, or else we're left to drift. We have to know and understand our identity, or else we're going to be persuaded by other things, and our priorities are going to shift, and they're going to look different than the way of Jesus. It matters that we know that we are salt so that we may flourish into the life that Jesus desires for each of his followers. So each week, we are invited to participate in communion. And it's a simple meal. You see it on the tables right in front of you. It's a simple meal that reminds each of us of Christ's broken body offered for you and his blood that was shed for us for once and for all that was offered for you so when we take this meal you can grab your cracker and dip it in the wine or the juice when we take this meal we remember we get to pause and come together as a family and remember that Jesus' sacrifice is what gives us our new identity. It's his sacrifice that brings us our salvation. So in light of that, think of who you are. As a follower of Jesus, you are salt. You are a beloved, forgiven child of God. You are his salt. So take and eat and remember that.